Hey, I'm Dennis from This Side of Anarchy, and welcome to Band to Band, my show where I let you in on my getting to know other independent bands that I support on social media and that support me in return. And we get to know each other a little better by answering five questions each. Please hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube or listening on podcasts so you can keep up to date and enjoy this episode. Welcome to my show, Band to Band. This is the ninth episode, and we're with an awesome band from Georgetown, Texas, Tough on Fridays. It's a... (laughs) Hello! (laughs) Thank you, Dennis, so much for having us. Yeah, all right. Um, I guess just introduce introduce yourselves and uh, what instruments you play and what made you pick up an instrument and any bands you've been in or anything like that. Uh, you want to start over here? I'll go down the line. Sure. Yeah, I'll start. Great. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, my name is Carly. Um, I play bass. I sing a little bit every once in a while. Um, I actually picked up the bass in the last band that I was in. We went into the recording studio, and as we put down the bass tracks, I learned how to play, <laughs> um, which was super just like thrown to the wolves. But it was great, and I've been playing ever <laughs> since. It's been good. <laughs> And you're a great bassist. Thank you. <laughs> My name's Kaylee. Um, this is actually the only band I've ever been in. I play um, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, and some vocals as well. Um, I've been playing guitar since I think I was seven. I don't remember. But uh, it came about because I listened to Blink-182 with my parents. <laughs> there you go. That's cool. And I'm Chris. I play drums in the band. Um, I've been in lots of different bands. Uh, different parts of my life but mostly drums but I also write songs and sing play various instruments in there but drums have been my primary instrument mm-hmm. my life. so that's kind of cool yeah cool. how long have you playing uh I've been playing drums for like I don't know like I I lost count but it's, it's been a long time it's been like 14 or 15 oh, years that's, or something. that's cool but other instruments kind of trickled in here and there like guitar is probably like Ten yeah, years. I was gonna say, you play all of them yeah. too. It's not fair. <laughs> I like all of them a little bit. I dabble in a little bit of everything. Just that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's my thing. So, uh, well, how did you, how did you guys meet, and how long have you been together? And uh, tell us about how the name came about. Well, I'll let you start. Well, you are the only one that was in the, the origination <laughs> of me of the Teflon. Yeah, I started. Oh, yeah. I brought everyone. yeah um so i started this band with a good friend of mine um that switched to her that was katie and it was kind of like a singer songwriter band the way it started out we kind of just played a bunch of open mic nights and then um (laughs) we met eric who just happened to be my grandmother's insurance guy (laughs) 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 he was super into music and that's how that happens and then this band kind of came about um I wasn't there for the band name process. <laughs> Eric, you were the one that was really yeah. the big part of that. Okay, so I'll have to pop in. You're going to have to pop in and tell us how this That's fine. Um, I'm Eric. I'm the manager for Tough on Fridays. Uh, it basically happened, the name came about because we had, they were in high school and they pretty much had to stick with gigs on Friday and Saturday nights. They couldn't play during the week because of school. Right. So I asked them to play, asked Katie if they could do a gig on a Thursday night. 
and uh, that had, uh, for a slot that had opened up. And uh, knowing that Fridays for a senior in high school, kind of a blow-off day, not usually a lot going on for them. They were in their, this was like, would have been like March. And uh, so anyway, Katie said, I don't know, Eric, Fridays can be kind of tough for us. She was being totally sarcastic, which she was a lot. And, uh, anyway, I twisted the words around, and that's where the name came from, was Tough on Fridays. I don't know where I was. Eric was like, hey, by the way, this is your band name. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we did the searches, of course, and nobody else had that name, yeah. so it stuck. Yeah, it's kind of like, cool. came up with a unique band name that stick yeah. and it sounds good. Right. It's got kind of different connotations, too. It can either be tough like i'm tough you know saturday nights for saturday night stuff for fighting i'm tough on fridays or it's tough it's tough on fridays because the end of the week or you know it's it's got a good uh good uh possibilities and then um i think actually we knew chris before car well no, i no, know no 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 no, no, yeah, no, no, no. i mean like as a like playing you know you know what i mean <laughs> Chris entered I, the, I was always the band before I did. <laughs> I was there. On yeah, that's what I meant to say. Chris was in the band uh, prior to Carly, but I've known Carly longer, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So actually, I was in a band. Can I tell the story? Am I allowed to tell the Go. story? <laughs> I was in a band in Georgetown as well, and our lead singer ended up getting married to Katie, who was the old lead singer of Stuff on Fridays, and then we just kind of flipped and I came over <laughs> here <laughs> and Katie no, no, was with them card. <laughs> it was good. We ended up with a better tray. Oh no. <laughs> that was a good one. Mm -hmm. It was good. Yeah. Oh and then Chris. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What's cool is uh, these two work together and have been working together since uh, September of 2018. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, um, yeah, kind of just small worlds. Everybody kind of just like walked into auditions. We were like, hey, I know you. So, yeah. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant to be, yeah. for sure. Sweet. Cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, you guys can ask me your first question, whoever wants to ask. I'll ask the first question. Okay. Um, did you start playing on an electric or an acoustic guitar? Do you play guitar? That's my first question. Do you play guitar? Yes, I do. Great. Did you start playing on an electric or an acoustic? I started on an acoustic. Very cool. And um, it was, okay. I, I, I rented that one because my parents didn't think I would stick with it because I gave up on the saxophone like six months before. So that's why. And I don't even remember if the acoustic... I actually rented it to buy it, or I bought another guitar or what, but I, I, I kind of started on the acoustic and went to the electric, you know, fairly soon. Do you use any effect pedals when you play? Um, I used to, but um, I don't use too many effects right now. Some Once in a while, I'll use wah-wah pedal or, Ooh, nice. or echo. But not usually, because uh, the first first ten years I used a lot of effects, and then it just kind of got to be felt like felt like I was relying on the effects to like improve the sound, you know. So I kind of 
thought of more eventually that the simpler the better you know sometimes you can get it's more challenging like even on a five-piece drum kit it's harder to get a nice it's more challenging to get decent rolls and stuff on that instead of when you have 25 million drums you're like <laughs> just like <laughs> it takes a little more talent to like do that so I kind of gave up on the effects and doing too much lead because I was just doing all that. Is there really such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, the Eddie Van Halen thing, it just got old for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember which was your first pedal when you were buying them all the time? Um, not really. But I'm guessing it was probably uh, just a, that orange boss distortion. Ooh, I still, I still yes, have them out there. Because uh, I think my, my first real amp was this little Yamaha 7-watt um, thing. Because I was in the... <laughs> after I graduated high school, I went in the Air Force, and I went to tech school, and then, you know... Of course, couldn't have a big amp in tech school, so I just had my little practice amp to like do that, and then wow. and that was that. Awesome. Yeah, that was cool. not bad. Um, <laughs> that's all that I have. Okay, now it's your question. My question for you. Um, so, how long have you had this lineup again? I don't remember if you told me or not. That's actually a really good question because I don't remember. <laughs> this line, it's been a couple months now, right? Yeah. It's been a few months, I'd say five of the three of us. No, no, no three. Less, less, right? Tilly, Chris has been with us longer than Carly because mm -hmm. Chris okay. was on the album back in January. Wow. I will not argue with that. Well, there was a progressive. Otherwise, I'll set myself up for a failure. Oh, whoa. I love them both equally. <laughs> so there, there was a post about you know, a year ago. You had a turning point, a new lineup, and it didn't go as planned, and you learned. And so, what was what was that what was that all about? What was the big change? So Katie left um, over a year ago, and we had a couple lead vocalists come in to audition. Uh, we were looking for lead vocals and bass, like in one person. Mm -hmm. But um, we were happy with what we had um, at the time. We had Kelly on bass and Sid as our lead vocalist. She's actually she a student at School Rock? She is. She was really cool. That's right. I forgot about that. But um, yeah, that fell through because um, Sid was younger and she was dealing with a lot of stuff in school. So um, she she made a different um, decision. And then, so then we had me, Kelly, and Chris. And that was a fun time. <laughs> Those were the days. Oh my God. <laughs> Remember Dallas? Oh my God. Oh man. But yeah, we had uh, me on vocals. We just decided it was, I was already doing backup vocals at the time, mm -hmm. so I just decided to do the whole thing, or try as best I could. And uh, Kelly um, did awesome on bass. She recently left two or three months ago, when was it? No, she left in June. Oh my god, okay. See, I told y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, Kelly left in June for um, Tennessee. She's going to school. And she's now got uh, her own business, No Vacancy Bookings. Shout out to them. And um, that brings us here <laughs> to the current lineup, which is Carly on bass, me on vocals and guitar, and Chris on drums. I actually have a question that's not on the paper. What genre of music do you play, Dennis? Um, it's usually categorized as hardcore punk. Ooh, so nice! That's our stuff right there. <laughs> cool. um, who's your inspirations? Um, my my first inspirations was um, Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedys, Black Flag. Nice. Those, those are like the main ones that really started me getting into oh, punk. No. Yeah, I was in, like really into metal before that. Um, and, you know, ACDC, AC, AC, Black Sabbath, and then got into Metallica and Anthrax, and good bands. And slowly got into uh, you know Iron Maiden and nice and all those kind of bands, and then uh, slowly got angrier and angrier. And the punk was a my nice fit, so. I've been doing it since 88. Where was your first live gig? And what is your dream venue to play in? Well, I really can't remember where my first live gig was. I was in the, I was in the Air Force in South Dakota and found a band over there. They were still in high school. I was, you know, 19. And they were like 15 or 16. <laughs> and, and we just... Uh, started playing and started getting gigs and I don't remember whether it was a school function or or just some I have no idea how we got the first gig but we're we're I was doing that for three years while I was in, over there and I played all over North Dakota South Dakota Nebraska Wyoming Colorado Iowa area and uh, that was a fun fun time okay. we had a we had a booking agent and they, they booked us all over yeah. very impressive yeah that's great. yeah uh, oh my dream venue well i really don't have a dream venue i mean in la in hollywood i've played whiskey and club lingerie gilman street in berkeley i'm pretty much satisfied with all those I would yeah. be too. <laughs> and the only uh, the only one that would come to mind is uh, the Hammersmith Odeon in London because I like the Motorhead album. Yeah. <laughs> Live in Hammersmith. That's some awesome accomplishments you got there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, for a while in the 90s, I was in three bands at the same time, so we were playing all over the place. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I mean, with 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 the daytime job, so I was busy. <laughs> work, practice, play, work, practice, play. How did your, uh, how did the parents feel about it and the family? Well, they're... 
in Ohio, so they don't really. <laughs> so that, I moved 2,500 miles away, so I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> Way to go, Dennis. <laughs> like, I'm on my own. I, Alright, cool. That was my second question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how do you guys write your music? Is it more of a collaboration, or is does one person come up with a song and say, "Okay, this is how I want to play it"? Or, you know, a lot of bands have different ways of doing it. And right. When, um, when, I, when I was in the band, it was pretty much collaborated in most of the. Yeah. I guess we really haven't like come to that part yet i know that i mean all of us write so mm -hmm. in the future it's definitely gonna be a collaboration for sure mm -hmm. but in the past <laughs> i was more of the writer and mm -hmm. the, i think uh, a good chunk of the songs that are out right now are mine there's a couple that belong to katie and one of them belongs to kelly heck yeah <laughs> kelly kabowski but um yeah in the future, though, it's going to be a collaboration for sure. Right? Yes, it is. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Making sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess for the most part, we would always just be practicing, and somebody would just come up with something, you know, and we're like, hey, I like that. And then we just like, oh, I like that too. And then he'd keep come up with, yeah. And then when we had a singer, he would come up with the lyrics, or when we didn't have a singer, and then we decided. We went to like two or three singers, and then we're like, all right, we couldn't find anybody that really fit. So we just kind of, whoever could sing the song, sang it and, and write it, you know. Since I, I still really can't sing and play that well, but, but, uh, it's definitely a uh, learning process that comes right. Out. There's certain songs I can sing and certain songs I can't while I'm playing, so. So, uh, okay, obviously you do have a manager, so how's that working out, and uh, are you searching for a label? Do you release everything yourself, or are you on your own label, or how's that working? Um, so we, um, well, I guess, Eric, you can answer all those questions. Those are more <laughs> you. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna I was going to answer, but I'm sure I would answer incorrectly. <laughs> no, we can't. Um, I'm with BMI. I know that. Yeah, I've been managing them now for three, four years. Um, I mean, they'd have to be the ones to say how it's working out. <laughs> I'm not really in a position to say that. We've been releasing everything DIY. Um, if, a, if an opportunity came about um, for a label, we would certainly, we have gotten a couple of looks. So and we've evaluated the offers and they just weren't right for us at that point in time. But that doesn't mean we would, we're automatically turning them all down. There's certain advantages that a label could give us that are very difficult to get DIY. Right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of where that sits. So where did you grow up and what influences from that place impacted you? Well, uh, my wife would probably say I haven't grown up yet. So <laughs> I'm still in the process of growing up. But no, uh, I was grew up for the first 18 years in central Ohio and uh, 
the influences, you know, my dad was really into music and he would always be playing. He never played an instrument, but he was always had music in the house and just, it was there. And my mom was on the radio all the time and probably the Beatles and Elvis and whatever the pop was in the sixties. And, and, you know, the kids at school in, in sixth, eighth grade, he kind of brought music in and stuff and, you know, Led Zeppelin and, and uh, one guy came in to put an acoustic and, and played for the class one time. And that, that was really cool. And then uh, and the kid next door, he played guitar too. And he was kind of into Elvis. We were listening to Elvis, Elton John, Edgar Winter, David Bowie, David Essex, Uriah Heep and stuff like that. And uh, I just... All that stuff kind of influenced me, and you know, it was just outside of Columbus, so it was just a little smaller town. So I just wanted to get out of there, so I went in the Air Force. Very cool. See the world. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um. So you do have a lot of releases, so. You have a lot of singles, and you have a few albums, right? So why don't you tell me about all those? Oh, a lot of the earlier ones, <laughs> um, I obviously do not like to listen to. Mm. You, no I way. love them. Oh, my gosh, oh, I love them so God. much. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, <laughs> they're like, uh, to me, it's more like amateur writing, because I wrote mm. a chunk of those, quite a few. I actually was not going to talk about that. I totally forgot about that one. But I was kind of referring to um, like the retrospect, Lush. Um, I actually enjoy Lush though. That was a little beyond my time. <laughs> you were ahead of your time. I was. I was like, wow, I enjoy this. <laughs> but um, yeah, we Eric, how did we release those? It came out like. Um, are we talking about the super early ones? Yes. Eric had a method to his madness. And at the time, Kay and I really didn't understand what the hell he was doing. <laughs> Until one day he explained it. And I was like, that makes sense. So if we're talking, well, the super early ones, we just dropped them. We just released them as they came. And mm -hmm. we were recording singles at that point. So that would have been Little Italy. That would have been uh, Retrospect. Retrospect. Those two. Yeah. The next three were Wind let down waywards and they tend to record really fast believe it or not uh and we don't i'm not a big fan of tons of overdubs i always had kind of a philosophy producing that i wanted them to sound live like right this in the studio i hate yeah. bands that can't reproduce their sound live yeah and, that's my me too yeah so what we we would record them live and do some and do vocals and uh, and then a couple of the songs would go they went to producers that I knew uh, Tim Palmer who had worked with Tears for Fears yeah. um, Tears for Fears he mixed um, 10 by Pearl Jam he mixed Lush and he was he's the credited producer with Lush mm -hmm. uh, the next three were Sam Pura who was at Panda Studios in Fremont California and I was basically listed as co-producer because they would be sending me tracks in the middle of the night 
you know, listen to this. Is this where we want to go? Blah, 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 blah. I remember. I think Yaha's, right? Um, no, Bo Burchell with Sayosin Triple Eight, who had done produced Sayosin and Triple Eight out of LA. He did Yaha's. My son actually did a, a cello track on Yaha's. It's in the second verse coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was really easy, and that was at Christmas time. So we were talking late at night so he could have family time. Sam, I never will forget, he said, uh, is this like all tracks? Because we were so minimal. We had drums, guitar, bass, and, and vocals, and hardly any overdubs. Right. So as far as the newer stuff that we've been doing, um, been using a technique, it's, it's pretty well known, called Waterfall. Because of this focus on singles with Spotify, and that you only can put out one track for their curators and the algorithm really to pick up on, I would drop a single, and then I would bund the next release, for example, I would bundle that single with the original single that had been dropped using the same coding, same UPC. ISRC codes, so it would pick up all the streams and would continue rolling forward. It would waterfall. The uh, chain smokers were really big on doing that with a lot of their singles releases. And so by the time you get to self-diagnosis, all those streams had rolled up into that one recording. And uh, so when uh, self-diagnosis came out, it already had like. 20,000 streams, 30,000 streams or something on it because it had picked up all the streams from the prior releases. And we've kind of continued doing that. We did something a little different this time. Some of the songs that Kaylee had written were super short. They're, they're punk rock songs, kind of. Right. Two minutes, 30 seconds. And I felt at the time as producer that that was, that was going to be really tough to just put that up there. There was a single. I didn't think it would get a fair shake, so I would bundle it with a longer track, and that's what we did this next go-around. Mm. Um, that said, with a double release, you can only promote one at a time through Spotify. You're stuck. Right. So, um, there are more songs coming, uh, but if we had bundled them with the album, we would have had to pick one to market, and you would have lost everything else on the other track, which is just as good. Right. Really good tracks coming out. And they'll be coming out um, start at the end of this year and early into next year. Oh, they're going to give an actual date. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically the how the releases have worked. That's cool. Uh, we tend to record once a year. We Everything that they did, we've released this year, we recorded back in January. So even before pre-COVID, we've had new stuff to drop all year long. We've been in a great we've actually been in a great spot compared to some a lot of other bands that have been unable to get together because we had all our recording done and mastered before COVID ever hit. Oh that's cool. That's cool. So so how's the recording process for the band members? I mean how do you find the actual recording process? Is it just is it easy or is it kind of different or difficult or what was, what was your first experience like? Oh yeah so prior to um, A Fantastic Way to Kill Some Time, which is what was just released, I had, we, we as in like me, Katie, and our drummer at the time, who was Mark, they all played on self-diagnosis. That was a very, very, from my perspective, that was a rough recording because we went in with 
no idea what we were doing. Um, we just weren't prepared. Nobody knew how to play what. It was just amateur hour. We didn't know what we were doing. But whenever we came in January, like Chris came in and the, the kit was already set up and Kelly came in and we just got it done. And it was so quickly, like, because you were in and out of there, like super fast. I didn't want you in there. <laughs> they were like, get out. <laughs> it, was, it was a time. It was definitely a grind, but yeah, we recorded like, what, like 13 nine, hours. Like 10 songs, eight, eight yeah. songs. Yeah. <laughs> I think doing, we did 10 songs, right? We were doing all Plus these. Plus the ones that didn't release. Yeah, it was 10 songs in like 12 hours, was it? It was actually 13, because I was counting. <laughs> I think hours. I left earlier, though, because I, I went back that night. I drove home. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. So I thought you were insane. It was, it was, it's pretty brutal the <laughs> way that we've been recording all this stuff. I mean, because they, they record fast by the same token. It's like one o'clock. Uh, I'm just like, all right, I'm out of here. Enjoy home. You know, as the recordings have gone along, they've gotten a little bit more complex. Mm -hmm. The album was the most complex of the ones that we've released so far. Mm -hmm. It was the easiest to get through. Like, as in, like, nobody had any issues with each other, which was so nice. Chris and Kelly weren't about to like throw down in the I mean, middle of this. <laughs> right. Yeah, sometimes we always got, I want my drums higher, I want my bass higher, you know. Oh, okay. You're like, uh, I can't hear myself. <laughs> we, had, we had a great engineer, and he may help, you know, that can make all the difference in the world because mm -hmm. he had done this a billion times. And, um, I had worked with him before, actually, on another recording on Lush. He was actually involved with that recording, and so he helped smooth things over. The gear, everything was all set up and in place. Mm -hmm. We knew, we really knew what we wanted to do, kind of, when we went in there. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. More so than, more than the prior, than, yeah. than the prior show. Right. And because of that, you have more freedom to make be more creative when you're right. when you're more organized on doing the basic tracks. You can be more creative on the other stuff. Just true. Yeah, my first recording was uh, at West Beach Recorders in Hollywood. Uh, Brett from Bad Religion hits his studio, and he's the one that was the mixer on our first record. Was it a band? Well, I was in a band called Society Gone Mad. So. So <laughs> check it out, SocietyGoneMad.com. It's all up there. Uh, okay. Uh, so what about shows? You think it has been before the COVID thing? You know how how was shows? And have you played any out of Texas, or have you just played in Texas, or all in Austin, or what? Pretty much played in Texas for the most part. We we were supposed to play in Colorado. I remember like a year ago, that fell through for unknown reasons. <laughs> um, I think it was prior, actually. But um, yes, it was. <laughs> I remember. Um, yeah, we pretty much stayed in Texas, which um, we actually have plans to go out of state soon, eventually, when this whole COVID thing chills out. We played some during COVID, too, that have been super cool. And I can speak for those, because those yeah. are the only ones that I've been <laughs> yeah. so oh, had a great probably. time with those the live streams are pretty fun like we played um oh my god i don't even remember <laughs> like pre-covid i mean during covid i've 
time just flies. So I can't remember any of the shows we did. We were supposed to do a lot during South Five, but obviously that fell through. Mm. What have we done? <laughs> we played at Roots. We twice. did play at the <laughs> what else? We were supposed to go to Dallas. It got canceled. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were supposed to play in Dallas and then it got canceled. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, the rest have been mostly like live streams or. Yeah. Anything in San, nothing in San Antonio yet? We have not gotten down to San Antonio. Yeah. We've played Dallas. We've played. We've played San Antonio before. Huh? We played San Antonio before. Where? Uh, with Michael and Katie. Listen, I oh, yes, we did. Again. We played for a convention. Uh, the dental, we played for the dental convention, the Texas Dental <laughs> Convention. Isn't that weird? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and they loved us. So, yeah. Um, That's cool. And it paid, which is even better. I like the <laughs> Free toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> so, they paid really well, too. Yeah, they pay, the dentists pay well. So, Good. Even yeah. Which they should after all we paid Which is why, out. yeah, which Definitely. is why. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, spent some, some time in uh, San Antonio a few times. <laughs> yeah. Got the basic training there and then went back for some schooling there. And when I was uh, here, one of my friends got married in San Antonio. And then my brother moved to San Antonio. And then he died 12 years ago yesterday, so I went there for the funeral. So that was my last experience in San Antonio. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, you're up next. Let's see, we're up to the fourth question. Okay. If you could change something about your musical path, would you? And if you would, what would it be? I can't really think of anything I would change. I've done, I've pretty much done everything. I've exceeded any uh, any of my expectations. I just, yeah, I've pretty much done everything I, I've set out to do. And I mean, all I really wanted to do was play guitar in a band and that's about it. You know, that's all I ever really expected. I never had any aspirations of really going anywhere or doing anything. I just wanted to play guitar with and write some music with some people, and I've done that. So, so I've gone farther than I ever expected to go. Okay, so I'm guessing the band doesn't do very much to social media, and it's the manager, correct? Or is it? It's collaborative on yeah. on the platform because um, they're not uh, they're not on Facebook, so that's pretty much the manager does Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, Instagram is definitely collab. We mm -hmm. both, Kaylee and Kaylee and I both contribute to Facebook or to uh, Instagram. Yeah. And, and Twitter is pretty much me. Okay. I saw the thing you posted, uh, the story about the Reverb Nation. How do you find that? You were like number one and... and yeah, we came up, I mean, we came up, we're number one in all genre, in the Austin Metro, in Georgetown, um, number seven and whatever it was, nine, and nationally and globally. Um, I mean, those numbers, they are what they are. They're not, they don't mean tons. They just yeah. mean 
we engage a lot, all right, all right. A lot on Reverb Nation. I will say that Reverb Nation's given us a lot, of, believe it or not, a ton of opportunities that we probably would not have gotten otherwise. Uh, Texas Music Cafe came down from Waco and filmed us. That awesome was, dudes. Uh, great guys. Uh, they've given us some other opportunities as well, all because of that. Um, we've gotten in with some other... Um, We've gotten quite a bit of radio promo because of that. Um, so I can't say it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been worthwhile. They've, they've opened up some doors for us in that regards. It also gives, has given us a, a place to go because we're in Georgetown, which is not that far away from Austin, but it's hard to stay in the loop with what's going on in Austin. So it gives, I'm the promoter for a lot of their shows and to put a, Put a band, put a list together, a group together without being down in Austin and physically knowing where all the bands are. It gives me a resource to go to to check out bands and listen to their music and see who would be good fits and that type of thing. I've That's tried cool. platforms and it has, they haven't worked as well. So, is there one that you find works the best, or is it just all kind of has their own little uh, good, you know, advantages and disadvantages? They, they've been the one that we've been on for the longest. Um, we've, I've tried Bandzoogle. Um, you know, everybody wants their own, all of them want their own little piece of the pie. And, I know, yeah. And, and of course, when you're first in the door, like Reverb Nation was, because they're the only ones I really knew about up front, it makes it that much harder to disengage. And we're super busy. I mean, we've got a lot going on, believe it or not, and to, to try and maintain another platform, something's got to give. So, some, uh, I mean, I've used a lot of them at different points in time, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo-poo any of badmouth any. Of them. <laughs> I know you. Like I'm not gonna badmouth any of them because they all have their everything has their pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Reverb Nation has worked out well for us. Let me put it that. That's cool. Oh, I'll tell you one. <laughs> Reverb Nation connected us with uh, Texas Indie Fest, which is our first big festival that we played back in 2017, and they've continued to support us uh, with Indie On Air Records. Uh, we have been early selections for every one of their festivals during South by Southwest since they first ran across us on there. And so that came out of Reverb Nation. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. So how do you handle some of the stuff on Twitter? Uh, do you do do you uh, do you like tagging people or hashtags on scheduled yeah. tweets? Are you yeah. you know how do you know who to follow back and you know all that stuff is kind of everything's done live. I don't pre-program everything. Uh, I don't tag everything and I don't tag everybody and I and we've gotten big. I mean you know that. I mean yeah no yeah we're up to like seventy five hundred Twitter followers now. Mm -hmm. And we just picked up uh, Strangers Angels just started following us. Um, who else? There's Veer Union out of Canada who has 60,000 Spotify followers just followed us. We didn't I didn't even know if they existed to be honest. Cool. Uh, so it's it's happening but everything's done live and and we have certain go-to people that we like and and the others, it's not because we don't like them. It's just because it's really tough to stay on top of all of everybody. Right. So many. And uh, but we don't. 
I use a few hashtags. I still kind of experiment around with them because the bigger they are, sometimes they don't work as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm working on developing some of our own. Um, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. So exciting. Dennis, where's your favorite place to eat in LA? That is too hard. Too hard. <laughs> There's so many good places to eat here. It's it's LA. There's just all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Well, if you, if you could only have one for the rest of your life, only place you can go to. <laughs> Gotta have one. Uh, I have one the rest of my life. Uh, this Chinese place in Burbank called uh, Gourmet Gourmet Eighty Eight. All right. I'll see you there. <laughs> I was telling them, I was like, it's got to be tacos. It is, has that to be. is that in Chinatown? Is it 24 hours? Uh, no, uh, no, it's in Burbank, the one, the one I go to. Yeah, there's, a, there's another good one in uh, Chinese places all over the place that are good. There's this one, though. We were played this place on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, Raji's, and we set up and we went to eat. And they had the greatest... Uh, ginger beef i ever ate and for some freaking reason i don't know i'm like i didn't remember where it was at i didn't get a menu and and i don't know where it's at so you 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 trended towards chinese yeah i would say so yeah but I like, like everything. But like Mexican, Mediterranean, Indian, Italian, Filipino, Japanese, Korean. I like I like pretty much a little bit of everything. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Me too. Immediately <laughs> <laughs> All right, this was fun. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much well, for having us. Yeah, sorry for and, uh, where can people find you the easiest, I guess, if people are watching this that don't know where to find you? Probably knows. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> Tough on Fridays at Tough on Fridays on uh, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, YouTube, Spotify. Find us on YouTube. Definitely find us on Spotify. Give us some streams. All, all, of our, all of our merch is on Bandcamp. Are we on We've gone to that for the platform. Cool. All right. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Dennis. All right. I'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye.